And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, founder of Marknology, here as today's host of Startup Hustle. We're going to be talking about the new era of keyword research. You know, this podcast is is by founders, for founders. uh, And today I have another founder with me, um, a friend, a colleague, Daniel Fernandez. Welcome to the show. Hey, I'm I'm super excited to be here, Andrew. Uh, It's been been a long time coming, so... Yeah, ready I'm to, ready to hustle. I'm ready to have you here. We've been working together even before being on the show, uh, both in the Amazon industry. Uh, before I introduce Daniel even more and get to know some of his story, shout out to today's episode uh, sponsor, Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Daniel, hailing out of Florida, uh, new dad, is that correct? That's right. Is this your first one? First one, yes. Awesome. And and the name what what's your name? His name is Benicio. Benis- like, Benicio. Uh, yeah, with a uh with a B. Like the like the actor. Yeah, Benicio. I like it. So yes. four months? Did I get that right? A little bit uh yeah, a little bit more than four. Between four and five. I love and, uh, it. He it's uh it's a lot of fun. It's uh they have a giggle and it's, um, you know, during a intense day of work or after an intense day of work, uh, there's nothing like, you know, spending some time with him. It really, okay. it really puts everything into perspective, resets everything. So, no, I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, being a father is one of the most noble callings we have as men. Um, not that you have to be a father, but I think that it's a very noble calling, uh, and something that definitely puts everything into focus and gives you perspective on what matters. And uh, when you're feeling bad on yourself or, or the day or what's going on, and you just kind of get that reset, that dopamine release of just, um, you know, seeing something so innocent. And um, congratulations. I think it's beautiful. Thank you. Well, that's uh, typical to start a puzzle episode, especially here with me, Andrew. Um, I love getting to know more about Daniel. I know I know some of your backstory, but I would love to share that with today's listeners. Um, I know that you didn't just start out. Uh, I'm going to found Amazon Clever, a marketing agency for Amazon Marketplace. Um, I know you've traveled around the world. You're an international guy. Where's your story begin in regards to business and entrepreneurship? Yes. Uh, I'm originally uh, born raised in Lima, Peru. And uh grew up really um you know thinking I would become a lawyer, would have a very traditional traditional career. Um one day, you know, I you know, in, in Lima a lot of kids don't don't work until they finish their, you know, their university. Uh it's not very common. Uh and one day I don't know where it came from, I just asked my dad to buy me books. And he I think he must have 
walk by a bookstore and grab the ones that are by the door. Um, like didn't even browse, just maybe mm-hmm. grab like 10 books and brought them home, gave them to me. And, uh, he probably regret, regrets to some extent because one of those books was, um, uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Okay. And, uh, and I was, I think I was 10. I was preparing to, uh, study, uh, to take a, a university preparation exam <laughs> to come here to the States to study here. Uh, and then that book just clicked, you know, I, I, I missed class that day. Didn't go to that class, just stay in uh reading. And that was that moment. I, I knew I wanted to start a business or a business, grow a business, become an entrepreneur. Um, you know, immediately from there, I started in sales. Um, you know, there in Lima, I did that for a few years. I ended so, up moving here to this. So you were 10 years old, right? Is that right? 10 years old? It's, it's um, the timeline is, I'm, I'm a little bit older, sorry. I'm a, I must have been around, you know, four, 14. 10th grade, 14 maybe? 14 years old. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. Um, And then, you know, I think when I read that book, I kind of opened my, my eyes and then months later, I forgot the exact date, but I, I, you know, a friend of mine was, you know, making money, selling uh, supplements, things like that um in the in the in the community so i i asked him if i could do that with him and you know that's how i started i love it and uh uh, it was a uh, it was just an amazing you know personal development you know overcome fears um making a little bit of money so that i think that was my first exposure to, to entrepreneurship i love it so at what point did you leave uh, Lima and come to the U.S. Yeah, I was, uh, I think I was 19, 19, about to turn 20, I think. Um, and just through, my, my mom is from here. Okay. Uh, so, you know, grew up coming here back and forth sometimes. Uh, but that was the time I, by myself, decided to, to move here, um, uh, to start, you know, follow my, my dreams, follow the, the American dream. Yeah, I, I, my story is not that different, you know. Um, well, it, it is and it's not, but um, I'm Caucasian for anyone that's just listening. You know, I'm Caucasian, but I grew up as a missionary kid, uh, really moved to the United States. I, for... was, uh, I was wondering if you were a uh, Canadian or something. I'm just kidding. No, I people think South Africa because I grew up in Africa, but uh, I that's not where I grew up. Um, Cameroon, Botswana, Congo. Uh, but really the American dream is real for me in my life too. I come from a poor family, um, you know, took my way through college myself, got my car myself, uh, was on my own, you know, working three jobs, trying to get through school. Um, and, you know, I've been chasing the American dream ever since, you know, I think, uh, so a lot of, a lot of, in a lot of ways, while I'm Canadian American, I have dual citizenship, um, you know, I started with nothing and, and, um, you know, wanted to have freedom, wanted to create a business. I, I grew up around, uh, African entrepreneurs that just had so much tenacity and, uh, work ethic. And just, I knew what blessings I had whenever I, you know, came to the U S and, and I was like, it was never like, oh man, why don't I have this? Why don't I have this? It was always just like, I'm going to get it. Like, you know, and I, I didn't see it as entrepreneur, uh, or being a business owner. I was just going to be the best or whatever I did. Um, but talk to me how, talk to me how from 19, um, you get to where you are today. Take us through that. Yes. So 
you know, I, I, I land here, um, family friend, you know, offered to, to host me for some time, which okay. was, uh, uh, was really, uh, it taught me a lot, taught me a lot about having a, you know, a big heart and, you know, giving back to, to people, trying to get all the people to, you know, become what they want. So, uh, that immediately was, uh, an amazing, uh, amazing gesture that I experienced. Um, I did come with very little money. I think I sold my a few things I had. Um, last cash I had, it was $400. Uh, and then I, I went to Minnesota. That's where I, where I landed. That's where this, uh, family friend was. Okay. And then, uh, f- first day, uh, the weather forecast was showing that the worst snowstorm in over a decade was coming. Uh, so first day I go in to buy a winter jacket and I, you know, I came with flip flops, right. And, you know, immediately, uh, half my net worth was uh wiped, wiped out to but a two hundred dollar North Face jacket, you know, for to survive the winter. Um so that was that was uh the beginning, but you know, got a got a job in sales. Um started doing very well. Started, Did you speak uh, English at that time? Like pretty well? Um No, I wouldn't say so. But okay. I was um you know, just to to talk about technology, I know I know we'll cover that. Um as soon as I got in I, the first money I saved, I bought the, I remember the iPhone 4 had just come out and it was incredible. Like that just helped me with the dictionary. I was just looking up everything. It, 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 um, it really allowed me to learn, you know, plus I was doing sales. I was talking a lot, talking every day. So that was also very helpful. Um, I think within a year I felt very comfortable, um, you know, speaking English and, um, but yeah, fast forward from that, you know, I, I, my brother had moved to uh, San Francisco for university, and I decided to move with him. Um, I got a job also there doing sales, uh, tech tech sales, and then um, you know did that for for a few years. But always in my heart, you know, I, I I wanted to go back to you know doing business, and I had started little things here and there. Uh, I, the, the weirdest one is. Uh, I, I, I studied this course on buying uh, scrap gold and silver okay. from uh, state sales, right? People have passed away, yeah. you know, some of the, the family sell some of their possessions um, to buy them to resell that to refineries. Uh, it was a, you know, I started doing that, started meeting with random people from Craigslist on coffee shops. There was always a, you know, a, a drill in a rush. Yeah, you never know who you're gonna meet, and I did meet very strange people. I'll tell you, um, but anyway, you know, <laughs> side businesses really worked. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, when I was I was in San Francisco, friend of mine um, sent me a podcast. I started getting into podcasts. You know, at, at that point, it started, I they became very, I think, very popular early early 2010s. And a friend of mine sent me one of the first podcasts about Amazon FBA, and. You know, it wasn't even it wasn't even that in depth. They were just sharing what they were doing or how how they were sharing what, how Amazon FBA worked. You know, um, and it, it just I fell in love with that that business model. What year was um, that? Do you think twenty thirteen? Okay, probably. early, early. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, I was doing the shop, but I I, I launched a brand. Um, just learning from that, learning from YouTube. And the brand did very well, sold out all my stock in days, um, started freaking out, right? Because ranking, you know, 
my, the ranking that I gained was, was uh, lost. So restart, a lot more products. And then that time I was like, okay, this time it's going to work much, much better. And then sold out again, you know, a week or two. And um, so at that point I, I decided like, you know, I probably should try this full time. Uh, so I, that's when I decided to, to leave my job. Um, you know, it was a, it was a very tough moment. I remember it took me, you know, 10 minutes to write my, my resignation email. And it, it took me an hour to just hit the send button. Yeah. I was, uh, I was shaking, uh, but eventually got myself to do it. And, um, excuse me, I was still in San Francisco, uh, restocked again. And then this third time around, I already had a competitors on that product and it didn't even work anymore. Right. I got stuck. Oh so, man. So worst nightmare, basically. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't fun at all. Um, I had hired, a, I had joined a, a business mastermind with, with, with also business coaching. And then that's when uh, this person, Nick, uh, had a you know face to face meeting with him, and then told me, uh, "You, you, you need cash right now. You're living in an expensive city. Uh, you already got in debt to grow that business. Um, you, you know, I had taken all the courses. I knew it was I knew it was good debt because I had in, were, they were investments in me, right? But I was I still had a big credit card bill. Uh, probably you got as much as seventy grand uh, under, right? It was um. I wasn't sleeping well, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. But um, this guy, Nick, he, he told me, look, you know, use what you learned and then you need cash flow right now. So sell it as a service and start an agency. He, he had done a Facebook uh, ads agency back then. Uh, so that's what I did. I started it, really got a first client, second client, and, you know, started seeing the light from there. I love it. I know that you have lived internationally. Um, is that like kind of when you started that agency? Is that when you decided to go? Um, I don't know if it was uh, Bali or uh, yeah. Philippines. Where did you end up? So I think it took took maybe a couple of years um, to get stable revenue in this agency. Um, re- recurring revenue, right? With the the jargon we use, MRR. The moment it got stable, um, I also got a friend of mine that is amazing at networking. You know, I, I think I'm decent at networking, but you know, there's you know some people that they just somehow they get to know everybody wherever they go, right? Yep. And and this friend had moved to China, and he just one day he texts me or calls me and says, "Hey, I met a brand here." They're struggling with their Amazon. I tell them about you and what you're doing, and they want to they want to bring you here to help them. <laughs> do you want to do it, right? And then um, I, I I had never been to China, but you know, just after a few conversations, flew me over. I stayed there for a few weeks working with their team, uh, and I I thought maybe I could move here, and you know, this w- would be my niche. You know, Western guy helping brands over here, so. Um, I did a couple more trips, Canton Fair, all that good stuff. And then on the third trip, I, I decided to stay. Um, so I lived, I lived three years in total in China. <clears throat> At the end of the day, uh, the plan didn't pan out. I started working with even more Western brands when I was there. 
you know, Western people that were living there to source products or going there for the events, uh, global sources summit and, you know, Canton Fair, all of that. Uh, didn't really, I worked, I did a lot of training with Chinese companies, but they didn't want to outsource. They, they just wanted, they wanted you to train them. Day. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, I wasn't, um, I didn't, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't a good business model for me. Um, and then grew, I grew the business and when the pandemic started, I, I decided to, to leave China and I started looking at which countries the, from the city I was living, which countries, the, you know, the flight, uh, routes were shutting down by the day. Right. So I, I saw which countries I had left to go from that city. And one option was uh, Bali, Indonesia, and then the other option was, I think, uh, Doja, Qatar, I want to say. And uh, I had been to Bali, I loved it, so I just decided to decided to leave and ended up staying there for two years until I came here to the States again. Was, in, in Bali, was it, um, was it hard to stay driven as, a, as an agency owner, as a business owner? I, for me, I've traveled the world. Um, and there's these places that I absolutely love, but in my mind, I feel f I'm afraid. I have a fear that if I stayed there, I might get lost in like adult Disneyland, kind of like just waterfalls and beaches and chill culture and vibes and music. And, um, you know, it's different being somewhere like that and, and being successful at business. You have to, it's like being, a going to the gym, uh, in the empty gym you know, and just working out by yourself or going to a gym that's got a lot of other people like getting after it. And it's just kind of motivating. You're like, I'm, I'm going to work out as hard as the guy next to me kind of thing. Um, and I have some friends that live kind of, you know, they've been to Tulum, different places, and they just talk about it's beautiful. But you can almost get stuck there uh, because it's right. just, you know, different mindset. Tell me about that a little bit. I'm just curious. Well, there's a, uh, we either get influenced by our environment uh, or we influence the environment around it, right? I think it depends a lot on the, that the person. Uh, inner inner chatter, right? And that awareness. Um, I'll tell you, Bali is beautiful. I, I love surfing. So I definitely had a lot of reasons to not be focused. But um, this was 2020, 2021. Uh, the e-commerce were just super intense. And I I did buckle down and, and so like no other. Um, I was part of... Um, uh, shout out to uh, Tropical Noma co-working space. In my opinion, the best co-working space there in uh, in Changu. And uh, people were, you know, going to the beach at five. And I remember staying, you know, all the way into the night. And um, and that I think that that grit was contagious. And then we became like a small group of friends, four or five people that were just really getting after. Um, it. Yeah, yeah. And it became a, it became fun, but also became a, um, you know, like it, 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 something special. I, I don't know how to explain it. It was uh, like what you were saying, like their energy was feeding off of mine and mine was feeding off of them. And, and we were all, um, you know, uh, growing together on businesses. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I, I have a roommate. Uh, we own a couple of businesses together as well. And, um, it's a big part of my success, just being around somebody else that's as driven as me, that's staying up late, working late nights, you know, focus on the business. Um, it, it, the energy is definitely like multi it multiplies, you know, uh, the hustle, the focus. Uh, if you're around people that aren't focused, 
uh, can be easy to not be focused, you know? So um, just curious, like, because my environment definitely affects me uh, and, and um, you know, my drive, my ability to focus, my ability to get things done, my ability to stay, uh, you know, committed. Uh, I don't have any of these issues a lot of times on my own, but I found it through the pandemic, through different time periods where things change quite a bit. Uh, you have to really take note of that and, and uh, you know, dial it in. I've got, I got a couple, I got some questions that are more related to our actual title because I feel like you've caught me up to the story of where you left Bali, you came back to Florida, I believe. Um, and that's where we met. That's where our, our journey began as far as um, colleagues. Before we jump into that, shout out again to our sponsor, FullScale.io. When you visit FullScale.io, we can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the FullScale platform to find your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit FullScale.io to learn more. So your your agency, we've talked about your agency, AMZ Clever. Um, what services are you are you offering now as an agency? Yes. Uh, so since, since day one, we've been full service, uh, full management, uh, managing brands on Amazon. Uh, down the road, we added Walmart.com. We also launched Grow Brands on Walmart. And then we've added also Google Ads to Amazon uh, with uh, Amazon Attribution and then uh, Amazon VSP advertising as well. Okay. Um, today's topic is about new and emerging trends in, in keyword research. And I think one thing as agency owners that I love is... Um, you know, we've been doing this a long time. We've seen what works, what doesn't work through thousands and thousands of hours uh, on the platform, you know, but there's a lot of new things that, that brands have to learn. Um, we recently were uh, visiting with the brand doing um, a four hour workshop on just breaking down the basics of what matters on Amazon and why. And uh, SEO and, and keyword strategies were a big part of that. Why do they need to to think about um, relevant keywords within um, their titles or bullet points. Uh, these are these are brands that are 100 plus years old in some ways, or at least the, the overall company. Um, you know, they're used to writing what they want, brand voice, brand, you know, and, and we're trying to educate them on why that matters, but along with Amazon SEO and why we should care about both. Um, what are the changes like in today's environment that sellers um, are having to deal with? Uh, how is AMZ Clever, uh, you know, approaching keyword research? Are you using AI? Do you use some of the traditional tools like Helium 10 or Merchant Words? Um, you know, what are things that, that sellers or, or Amazon brands should be thinking about in regards to the changing landscape around keywords? Definitely. So I want to I want to talk about the concept of. The, the evolution of product research, keyword research on Amazon. Yeah. Um, and I, I won't take, spend too much time on the old stuff, right? But, you know, very OG at the beginning, the way to research, just looking at BSR, right? The bestseller rank for products. Uh, you could see what was at the top and then you could just launch similar products and then they would do well. Uh, but that was, that was how we were tracking what was selling, what was not. Uh, then the next wave was the wave of the Chrome extensions. Right. Mm -hmm. We had uh, Jungle Scout and then a few others that came out. And these, these tools were uh, themselves, they were estimating how many sales uh, the products, you, you type in a keyword, it would show a bunch of results. And then they were, sh they were showing, estimating how many sales these products were getting per month, right? So that was, that was a big, um, that was a breakthrough, right? A lot of product research was done that way. Uh, then from that, I think the next wave, and I would love to hear your thoughts on these, but 
The next wave was the search volumes wave, right? And that's when tools started to use a hack and loophole, and they were pulling search volume. Uh, and when I say search volume, it's how many times a keyword such as <clears throat> a scented candle, how many times that keyword gets searched on Amazon per month, right? There was a loophole. They were getting that through uh, from yeah, from Amazon. Uh, then Amazon shut down that loophole, but they continued with their own algorithms that were estimating that. And this wave, you know, it, it just made an, an enormous amount of millionaires, right? I, I arguably this is uh, one of the has been one of the longest wave aggregators and all that. Um, I think I think we're past that wave now. I think the the new wave is is Amazon themselves have now opened up the the gate uh, of of data of search volume, right? And I'm talking about things like the product opportunity explorer. Uh, I'm talking about the search query performance, uh, Brad analytics. So now, now there's no guesswork. Now Amazon is telling us exactly, uh, this is the keywords. This is how many times they got, they got searched, um, this month or this week or this quarter. This is how many times they got clicked, um, added to cart, how many purchases there is. So now there is not a, it's not a matter of, um, you know, which keywords I think now more than ever is focus on the offer, right? Like now we know where the sales are happening first party, right? From Amazon, from the source itself, uh, in my opinion, all the efforts should be building the, 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 the best offers, right? How to, um, convert that traffic, right? Tell and the then, story of the product. I didn't, you know, yes. uh, educate them about what they're buying or, or they're not buying more, more sales copy than ever before. Yes. I, you know, yes. And, um, what I want to refer to as intrinsic value, right? Like, you know, and you, you, you speak with a lot of brands, I speak with a lot of brands each week. And Joe, how many times have you heard, um, like, oh, my brand is premium. So we charge premium price because we're premium, right? And then we ask, okay, well, how does your brand is better than the others exactly, right? Like, tell me, tell that. me why it's pretty premium, yeah. Exactly. And then it's like, well, what I, what I tend to hear better ingredients, better quality. There is not a, and if you, that could be very much true, but there is not a a very, um, uh, what, what Dan Kennedy calls an irresistible offer, right? Or uh, um, something that is, is very, very clear. Like mine does this, that mine comes with a carrying pouch. Yours doesn't or whatever, you know, mine comes with, yeah, mine's leather. Yours is plastic. Like, you know, just clear as day. Yeah. Away from any, any abstract, right. Very, very, um, tangible difference. So I think that is, that is where the opportunity lies. Um, another thing is to. And, and look, I'm going to open up a kind of warm here with you, uh, that, that organic ranking on Amazon is, is kind of dead. Now, uh, if we look at, uh, search results page, the number of ad placements is higher than it's ever been. Uh, more, you know, half the page is, is sponsored is paid to play. Um, the days of profitable ACOs for for launching a brand, uh, for most in most cases, is gone. We're we're now 
talking about more than ever the CAC to LTV ratio, um, you know, strategy, right? Uh, like you, you, you make money not on the first sale, but down the road, if this customer is buying again and again, and you, you need to plan your, your ACOS, your advertising accordingly, uh, knowing that, that ratio, right? Uh, this is for consumable products. Uh, if we talk about, you know, one of type of purchases, then it's a little bit different. Uh, you need to rely more on that retargeting side. Like that really is where the money lies, but, but you need to have, um, you need to be able to get revenue from the same customer more than once. So if your product is like the, the microphone you have, you need to be able to monetize with all their peripherals or the next thing cover uh, to make money different cords stands uh you know software maybe reoccurring software fees you have to have something right to keep them yes. coming back the, these uh and again this is just my opinion uh this year traffic on amazon is is down compared to uh, before uh cost per click in some categories or many categories are higher uh you know there seems to be you know just sellers fighting for um, a little bit less traffic, therefore outbeating each other. Um, Amazon has been very smart about this. They just, you know, diversify the outlets, ad placements. Uh, but then now the only way to really succeed is to be obsessed with performance marketing. Um, ne- you know, more than ever before. Uh, and, and yes, this transcends, you know, uh, uh, Amazon. Uh, if if the brand has multiple channels, you know that's also something to to keep in mind. You know case studies. And I can, you know, mention some specific specific examples. I'm seeing D two C websites that are adding an Amazon tab on their website, right? Because they're realizing that customers are going to the website but leaving to buy on Amazon. So why not remove the friction? They want to keep them, but at the end of the day, the customer will do what they, they want to do. So do you think that's like a buy with prime type of, is that what you're referring to? Kind of having an Amazon buy with prime uh, portion of their website? Buy with prime, uh, more and more. It has some limitations. Also, uh, if the Amazon conversions are just very solid, could even with Amazon attribution, just for, for us based companies. Because of the the brand referral bonus, Amazon is paid right now is is very attractive, um, but it 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 um, yeah like uh, just to to kind of recap right the the um, the guesswork is 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 gone it's not needed anymore we have exact um, data on on where the demand is uh, I think what we're lacking now is is thinking really in terms of intrinsic value with, with product, with brands, thinking about, um, you know, growing the product line more than ever. How to build a relationship um, with them on a platform yes. like Amazon. Yes. Talk to me about the private label, private label idea. Um, is, is, it just became so competitive that it's not enough. Yeah, you can't just throw a label on a product anymore and, and be successful. You have to really think about being unique, value proposition, uh, getting people to return, 
quality matters over everything else because you need them to come back. Um, or, you, you know, you can invent a product that no one else has potentially, uh, but that comes with its own challenges, you know, specifically on Amazon, especially if there's not demand already built. You have to go create that, uh, generate that demand instead of just capture it. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on um, keywords and search uh, on the Walmart platform. I know that's something that you offer there at Amazon Clever is Walmart um marketing technology we've we've grown into that as well and, and really are a marketplace agency instead of just an amazon agency now at this point between walmart and target um do the same pr- principles apply on walmart as amazon generally uh walmart is more there's more quote-unquote loopholes right now um also walmart walmart has i think some human curation element where the rankings are, I think there's some strings being pulled. Okay. Uh, on what's appearing, what's showing. Um, a lot of, but but also I, what I love about Walmart, for so the people listening to this, uh, first of all, Walmart is, is just an add-on. It's not going to make anybody rich. Uh, Amazon is, is really the monster, the cash cow. Uh, but it's very possible to replicate some of that success you're having on Amazon. On Walmart, um, you know, seeing anywhere up to maybe ten percent of Amazon sales um, can be replicated on Walmart in some cases. Uh, one thing I like about Walmart is they're more transparent on what their algorithm wants. Okay, uh, there is there is a section where they give you the listing quality, and they they tell you we're penalizing you for this, we're rewarding you for this. Uh, there's another section about the pro seller batch, and they're telling you exactly the criteria to get it. Um, lately, it's been a little bit funky, uh, but but you you get this is is you you get these uh, um, check these these check boxes right, and and your ranking will improve um, compared to the A nine, which more of a um, mystery. Correct. More like a, from on the outside, just experimentation and whatnot. Yeah, there's a lot more factors that go into your your search results, like return yeah. rate and click through rate and conversion rate and all of those things. Look, we, we had a we have a brand. They were uh, and again, you know, this some, for some people, these numbers are going to be a lot. Some people, it's not going to be much. You know, this brand was doing five thousand a month on Walmart. On Amazon, is doing hundreds of thousands a month, right? Um, but then. Somebody started playing with their listings, and then that five thousand a month went down to less than a thousand, right? And they just didn't know why. They didn't know what to do. They 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 wrote the listings to to read nicer. You know, they wrote them for the humans, but they didn't write them for the robots, right? We want to write for both. Yeah. Um, what had happened is their their listing scores, which once again Walmart is very transparent about, <clears throat> were down the toilet. Um, so we, we, you know, they, they brought us in, we, um, uh, worked specifically on fixing those listing scores. And, uh, in, in, in two weeks, I think sales have, um, jumped up to, uh, about 8,000 a month. Oh, congrats. Uh, their best, it, 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 it does just recover, but it surpassed what was there before. And, you know, yes, you know, I mean, the, the team did an amazing job, but it's what we're very grateful to Walmart that is giving us that transparency 
which I, I we, we don't see from Amazon specifically. Yeah, I think one of the hardest things, like I, I'm going to make a, a silly comparison here, but like I don't mind working on cars. Okay, I can work on cars. I didn't grow up with a dad that worked on cars, really. You know, I can change the brakes, the radiator, windshield wipers, you know, rotors, whatever, like basic stuff, in my opinion. Um, but it always came down to like, I didn't want to work on it till I knew what was actually wrong. Diagnosing the problem was always my thing. If you're not a pro, diagnosing what's wrong with the car can be the hardest part. I think the same thing with the business. It's one thing if someone says, go in there, do exactly this. Here's your steps. Uh, it's 100% the radiator. Here's the YouTube video on your radiator, on the parts you're getting on your car. We're going to walk you through all the steps do that, you'll be in good shape. And then you're like, oh, wow, I feel very confident that I'm doing the right thing. Here's a substance on how to do it. I'm going to go do it, right? Uh, I think whenever, for me, the dauntingness of working on my car has always been, what if I fix the radiator and it's uh, it's something else? It's a starter or, you know, it's the motor, it's transmission or something else, right? Um, right. And I think that can kind of be the case when it comes to just e-commerce and, and optimizing these marketplaces in general as well is like, Am I working on the right thing? Am I doing the right things? Like Amazon wants what kind of size for the storefront header? And, uh, you know, everything becomes just kind of this like guessing game a lot of times. And I know that's where our confidence comes from, from thousands of hours on the platform of just knowing what that is. But for everybody else, there's not really this guide that just says, this is exactly how to fix your problem. You know, go and do this, or at least don't know where to look. Um, you know, what really, you know, sets you guys apart um, as an agency in the Amazon and the marketplace space um, uh, that sets you apart as being a, a good firm to work with to solve some of these things? Just giving you a chance to kind of talk to some of your value differentiation and and yes. um, where you guys find your success. Yeah, it's, it's I think, obsession with performance marketing, uh, really moving away from from the abstract uh, and then just what the data shows us. Uh, oftentimes we have like comments we get from clients is uh, um, like, I've never tracked that that KPI um, and I, or I didn't know that existed. Uh, a little bit of what you're saying is, is um, by being obsessed with performance marketing, by us having a, a process that goes around performance marketing, we can troubleshoot we know where the problem is, and that's uh, that's the, the the beginning to solving something, right? Is knowing where the problem is, where the problem lies. Uh, so I, I would say that that is one one strong characteristic. Uh, so we we hire a lot of very on the disc profile, very high C, high conscientiousness, which is um, just really we're all obsessed with data. I love um, that. Like things have to have a reason uh, for it. And, um, I think that's, that's something very strong, you know, there's, there's, there's other things like obviously experience and, uh, just time on the platform. Uh, at this point, we've seen so many product launches, so many, uh, products that, that succeeded products that didn't succeed all kinds of ad budget, many categories. I mean, we've really done from industrial products to. You know, we, we have clients, I don't know, we'd love to hear this from you. We have clients selling a high, high, high ticket on Amazon. Like I'm talking a thousand to $2,000 products on Amazon do very well. Uh, so we had that experience in the bag as well as the $10 products. It's a whole completely different strategy on how to grow these two. Um, 
And so I think there's no replacement for that. Um, as you know, Andrew, like nowadays, everybody can be a consultant, right? Everybody can be a, a freelancer, but there's just no replacement for for experience. Like we're being there, done that. Like li- literally from zero sales, and this is not a famous brand. Like there's no branded traffic uh, from zero sales, getting them to over a million, you know, in a year. Uh, being there, done that multiple times. Uh, and not just back in the day when it was easier, like recently. Um, I think that is something that our clients appreciate a lot. No, I, I 100% agree. I think it comes down to, um, you know, what it's one thing to come up with a game plan, like this is how we're going to go win the game. Uh, it's another thing to have that plan. The plan gets shot to shit. You're not winning the game. Uh, things are going wrong. And how do you adjust from there? How do you problem solve? Um, and that only comes with experience, right? Like you can be the best designer, the best copywriter, but what if it's not working? What happens then? And I think being able to lean on a team that has experience, that's seen some of those problems already, that's seen some of those things can be the difference in, um, you know, getting the solutions that you need um, or not. And I love that thing you said about, you know, having a lot of your team members with uh, C for conscientiousness, um, a love for data. Uh, I went to school for computer science. Uh, mm-hmm. I love b- the data scientist part role uh, of what we do, and especially the Amazon platform. So many people said there wasn't enough. They're not giving you enough data, and I always was just like, "There's so much data here. You know, you just have to make sense of it." And they continue to release more and more. But you're right; it's it's less of a guessing game. We don't have to guess. We don't have to argue with clients. It's let the data talk to us. You know, between PPC and SEO and attribution, and um, are you willing to um, be patient, make small changes, and see what yeah. happens? I I recently released a, a YouTube video with Mina uh, from Trivium Group, a PPC firm, and uh, I was doing a live breakdown. It's, it's about an hour. Uh, if anyone wants yeah. to look us up on YouTube, just type in Andrew Morgan's and Mina Elias. They'll find it. Uh, but I'm breaking down a brand that was, uh, you know, negative 6,000 uh, for a couple of months. And within 30 days, kind of turn that, turn that brand around like a thousand percent turnaround uh, from not just negative, but getting positive. And what we did, what I saw, what I was looking at on the profit loss, what kind of changes we made to see that the nitty gritty of kind of the data. And, you know, um, I think the reason that when 2020 happened and the pandemic happened and the aggregators came into the, the Amazon space, the reason why we got so much attention during that, cr- that time was where other industries were shutting down based on speculation. OK, you know, uh, we were building businesses that were profitable. Uh, and so, you know, they might be smaller at a million dollars. That's nothing compared to a hundred million dollar company or $500 million company. Some of these big ones that make the world move. But if you had enough of these together, so to speak, profitable businesses that, that are paying attention to the data, it can be very, very powerful. Um, we, you know, we're starting to implement AI into what we're doing, which I love because for the longest time in the Amazon industry, software has been talking about smart learnings, AI, automation, you know, your PPC is intelligent, this and that. And I've argued that it's not AI, it's just rule-based. It's not getting smarter, it's just making rules, right? And as humans, we can make rules and have humans follow them. So now we're starting to actually get AI where the data can learn and build on itself, which to me is, is an exciting thing. I was never against AI, I was against automation being labeled as AI uh, because it's not the same thing, right? I, as a human, can get smarter. A machine's just going to repeat the same rule over and over and over, 
uh, I can learn from my mistakes. I can learn from my wins. Um, talk to me just as we um, we, we close up on, on our hour here. Uh, if you guys are dabbling or implementing AI, and then two questions and see if you can remember them. One, what's something you're working on within AMZ Clever that you're excited about, like something new within AMZ Clever, and then something outside of, uh, outside of your son and your personal life that you're excited about uh, as we close out the year? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so, just, you know, to touch on the AI, I think the the image generation is very interesting. Yeah. Um, the the concern we have is if 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 the shopper, the audience, can tell it's an AI generated image or not. Um, another concern we have is if Amazon will uh, um, implement an AI. Uh, content filter, right? That will penalize ranking or some kind of scoring if uh, AI content is being used. And then also the the even if that doesn't happen, I, I personally I don't know about you, Drew, but I personally, if I go to a website and I see the images look like AI generated, or I read the copy and then. I see some, maybe not mistakes, but I see some services that read strange, um, and not not from a translator that maybe doesn't dominate English, but rather more like machine. It, it, it loses trust in you know, for for in my in my eyes, it loses, I lose trust on that brand. I see it as a little bit lazy. Um, so we're taking that carefully because of those. Um, I think it's fantastic for the. You know, throwing reviews and then asking to write some some statements that overcome issues from those reviews. I think that's very very interesting, very useful. Um, as long as as long as the person is not at the end of the day, the person is not copy pasting, but actually internalizing, actually trying to really understand what the product is. Um, you know, what, what the shopper wants, right? I think the AI cannot really put. Uh, itself in the shoes of the, of the shopper. Yep. So I, uh, I, love it. I think kind of, kind of went back and forth there, but I don't think it's replacing people. I think it's, is saving time, but you know, the gatekeeper, I, I, I don't, I don't know where I heard that one of the best paying jobs now are going to be what's called, um, AI operators, like the people that have the best prompts to feed the AI mm. to get the desired outcome. I don't know if it's true or not. Just it's crazy, but if humans took that much time to ask me questions, I think they would get better prompts too. You know, just being funny, but um, you know, people don't take the time to ask good questions. People are just go through life kind of half-assed in our conversations and our discussions instead of being very deliberate in what we ask people, how we're asking them. Um, you know, if you're saying, "Hey, uh, you know, uh, what do you think about my brand?" That's a very generic question. If you say, hey, what do you think about my content on my brand on Amazon? Uh, do you think that each image is, um, you know, directly speaking to the value that we're selling? Okay, not because it's long winded, but because that question is specifically asking me if I think that the content is speaking about the value of the product in an emotional way. You're going to get a lot better answer out of me, uh, just like you would AI, for example, than if you just say, what do you think about my brand on Amazon? We get lazy, I think, in human interactions, um, and and the AI 
the AI guys and gals out there are, are, are those techie people, those people really thinking about how to get the most out of something and in doing so are, are creating great prompts. Um, but something that I just thought to myself when I've read some stuff like that is that like, man, uh, I do a lot of emails all day long and people asking me questions, me asking them questions. I mean, that's, that's my day in a lot of ways, making decisions like in that, in that way. Um, and oftentimes I just, I sit there and kind of smirk or laugh to myself or chuckle or even get frustrated because I'm like, what a lazy question. Or I have to fill in all the blanks myself or I have to follow up with another question and waste more time because they didn't give me enough clarity or ask the right questions. Uh, they'll ask something I have to ask them. Did you mean it this way, this way, this way, this way, this way? You know, um, I just think it's an interesting time right now uh, kind of watching it unfold. I, I like that. I like what you said. Uh, the people are asking the AI more than than they were asking whoever was their, the authority for them before. Yeah, their boss or their mentor or their teacher, professor. Maybe now they're asking more to the AI, but uh, have they been asking that much they're, intensity? They're not worried about asking a dumb question, if that makes sense. You know, they're going to ask the question, get the response, be like, that wasn't a smart enough question. I'm going to ask again, do a better prompt, do a better prompt, do a better prompt. Yeah, that's a very interesting uh, point you're making because then maybe they don't feel judged by the AI, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, as we round out the show, um, what's something you're working on just quickly uh, in your in your personal life and in the business that you're excited about? Yeah, in terms of the, in terms of the business, I think we are um, there's a, a few things we see as opportunities. Uh, DSP uh, showing a lot of promising um, results. We wanna we wanna. Uh, integrate more brands to start doing it uh like the the retargeting with it is is just it's just uh make make so much sense um and it, it is very quick roi uh in most cases so we're we're working on on integrating more brands uh starting more brands and doing the amazon dsp advertising uh for the people listening uh, obviously, DSP advertising is a different app platform. It's, it's not available in the central and allows you to do uh, target on and off Amazon um, specific audiences, right? Audiences of people that uh, bought your product, but they haven't bought again. Um, or competitors, audiences of people that bought from your competitors of this specific age in these specific locations. You can get very nitty gritty. Um, I think that that is a very good opportunity still. Um, so I would say that's that's something we're working on. Um, my personal life, I think that's uh, a that's a, very that's a hard question. one for think, a new dad, right? I think it's just to how do we become a better better father? Um, it's a lot to learn about education. You know, raising a uh, another human with good morals and good, good ethics. Um, not try to protect from the struggles that I had because arguably those struggles made me who I am. And but how to create that control environment for you know for him to 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 have an opportunity to build you know courage and grit and all the good stuff, right? Yeah. 
that's a, a rabbit hole. There's a lot of books, a lot of information, a lot of opinions. Um, but I'm, I'm, I think very, very interested, very fascinated on that. I love it. And I think I've, that's something I've been working on the last 10 years. I, um, you know, I'm married and divorced and, uh, went through a, a very low time in my life about 10 years ago. And I've been on a journey to, um, prepare myself, I think to be a father. And I don't think it's something that you just, all of a sudden you're ready to be a father. I think it's something that you have to prepare for and intentionally work toward and work on skills that maybe you wouldn't have needed to work on if it was just you. Uh, but, but you need to work on them if you're going to raise another human, you know? Um, so I, I love that. It's a simple answer, but a beautiful one. Lastly, uh, just for anyone listening on the road, where can people come into contact with, or where can people follow your journey or, or contact you online? Uh, definitely. So on, I'm on all social medias, LinkedIn, um, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Daniel Fernandez, AMZ Clever. Uh, but if anybody listening wants to reach out to me directly, uh, you know, questions, or you just want to connect, you like what you heard, uh, you want some business, whatever it may be, uh, I try to get back to everybody. My email is daniel at amzclever.com. Uh, again, daniel at amz for my, my friends in other uh, parts of the world, amzclever.com. Uh, awesome. So. Daniel, looking at my podcast, my show notes here from the team, I send them over before our episodes. Um, was the business originally founded in Virginia? Uh, it... It was, uh, and I've, I've moved it now we're in Florida. Okay. I was just staying there this weekend in Falls Church, Virginia. So I was just, it was a, a nice. weird chain of events. We were speaking about it earlier, and I was like, well, maybe he lived in uh, in Arlington, um, you know, in another life. So just curious. I did. I did. I did. Uh, I lived in uh, Falls Church uh, for, for a little bit. So Cool. Small world, just small world. My first time being there, we we stayed in a beautiful Airbnb in a beautiful neighborhood. It was a very uh, pretty place uh, near DC. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, uh, you were probably in Arlington a lot, right? Downtown yes, sir. Arlington. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so a nice uh, view. Oh, awesome. I was just, I didn't know maybe, uh, you know, that's where you got, where you got started, but it's been awesome having you on the show. Me and you talk, uh, even off the show offline, um, here and there, just catching up on agency stuff, shooting brand stuff, always have, um, great advice or wisdom to share. So really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, it's, an, it's a pleasure and, and an honor. So thank you for having me on. Yeah, of course. And thank you again, Hustlers, for tuning in. Shout out to our sponsor, Fullscale.io. Uh, they have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit Fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and let the platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders. At Fullscale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit Fullscale.io. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Hustlers. Thank you, Daniel. We'll see you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.